following a group of 10 young people in a series of facilitated workshops on issues relating to the climate crisis and the challenges we all face. There is no planet B. This is a journey through the climate crisis on KCLR. If burning fossil fuels was so bad that it threatened our very existence, how could we just continue like before? A journey through the climate crisis is funded by commissioning the man with a television license fee. Hello and welcome along to a journey through the climate crisis. Episode 8 and nonetheless absolutely tearing through the weeks. The group are approaching the end of their climate change journey but it's not over just yet. We still have a few more weeks to go. On this week's episode we are focused about how we're going to get the word out there about the climate crisis and what plan we're going to put in place. And to do so, we use the six steps to success. I'll let Jacinta tell you a little more about that later in the programme. But as per usual, we do kick off each episode with last week's homework. And this one just happens to be the last time we will be reflecting on homework. Let's hear how they got on. Welcome everyone to this week's episode. Um, great to have everyone back. And this week we are going to be chatting in a little while to Tad from Voice Ireland um, around lots of ideas around how we can reduce waste and what we can do to help create um, better outcomes for our environment. But as always, we have to start with the homework and you'll be glad to hear this is the last one. So you're off the hook then. So um, just going back to last week, we were looking at the circular economy. So we asked everybody to come up with maybe three practical solutions um, that you guys or your families could do in order to help speed up Ireland's transition to the circular economy. So how did you get on? If something is broken, instead of throwing it away, try to fix it. Uh, You can pay someone to upcycle furniture or other things that you do not want to throw away. And the third thing is learn. you can learn or teach DIY skills in schools to promote sustainability. And adding on to this, you could perhaps in your local community try put together a small little workshop where you can teach some of the younger children how to make some DIY projects instead of throwing out some of their materials. I guess going off of Richard's point with upcycling, I guess like not, not like instead of throwing away everything and throwing them all into the recycling bin, try and see what you can do with the like normally, if that makes sense. Like um you j- be creative and be inventive and try and reuse it in your own way before giving up on it altogether. Another thing is to try not to use single-use plastics as much as possible. Like obviously, in for toiletries and medical equipment, it may, it may not be it may not be as easy. But for things like when you're blowing your nose, start with the corner of the tissue instead of using the entire thing at once. If that makes sense, get more use out of things. And the last thing is compost bins. So like when you're eating fruit, instead of just just put all your seeds and cores and whatnot into a compost bin where it can be repurposed to soil, they can use to plant stuff. The rest of the group also chimed in on last week's homework. Well, I suppose three things people could do that are just practical to help speed up the transition to a circular economy are, well, 
to be honest, none of this would be groundbreaking, <laughs> but you could just say use any jars you might have left over or say any decent boxes or something just for storage. You know, just don't throw these things away. Just use them to store stuff because, you know, they could be pretty handy, actually. And um, another thing you could do, say, is to try to get things fixed as much as possible. You know, say old clothes or something. Maybe, like, take up suing yourself, maybe, <laughs> if it's possible for you to do that, you know. Because, uh, or, say, technology. Say you have um, a computer and, say, that computer, say its battery goes out or something. Maybe you could try get a replacement battery instead of a replacement computer. Like, to be honest, that's probably cheaper anyway. Hopefully anyway. And, you know, it's just something. You're not really wasting the computer then, you know? Because all the electronics that go into that, it's pretty expensive stuff. And, of course, you can just say, if you have old toys or something that are in decent condition, you can just give those away to, say, a niece or a nephew or something. You know, just to save the parents the... um hassle of having to buy new stuff, I suppose, and, you know, reduces waste. So, you know, just simple stuff like that. People hear about them all the time, but, you know, they're helpful. Me and my family, we glued a broken flower pot and we reused it. And my dad and brother are using an old engine to put on a go-kart. To support the environment, some things you could do are... We could repair old items that might have been broken instead of buying new ones, like an old bike or a phone. And we could also sell our old items that we don't use, such as clothes. So in the last episode, Anna Sheehan of the Ellen MacArthur Foundation told us all about the circular economy. She filled us in on what it is we need to do to reuse and recycle. But has this had an impact on the group? Can I just ask a question to you? I suppose after listening to um, the conversation we had with Anna, has it kind of sparked an interest in you or made you think a little bit more around upcycling stuff at home rather than throwing things out or maybe seeing that uh, things can get a second life with a bit of creativity and stuff? What do you think? So what in ant keeping, what many people do is for the carpenter ants, which live in wood, uh, many carpenters, what they will do is if they have any scraps of wood, they they usually turn those into ant nests, which can be extremely beautiful and very interesting to look at. And they don't have to like throw out lots of little wood scraps. That sounds really interesting. And I suppose as well, I've noticed more where you have the, what do they call them, is the bug hotels, where they have those, you see them popping up in schools and in people's homes as well. So I really like that idea of getting in touch maybe with your local carpenter and finding out what's left over to see, could you make your own bug hotel? Do you think that might spark interest with younger children? Oh, I do. And bug hotels also are much better for like uh, the little wood scraps and stuff because they're they're very popular nesting locations for the solitary bees and wasps, which are also very good pollinators. And with like the introduction of honeybees, I'm not entirely sure if they're native to Ireland. I know they're invasive to the U.S. Uh, and that's where this would apply the best 
like if bug hotels they make perfect spots for solitary bees and wasps which are much better pollinators than the honeybees that's actually something I didn't know. So you see, I'm I'm learning week by week as well, which is great. And I think Richard's is definitely um, a workshop there somewhere with you that we could end up sparking something here where we could go around and encourage uh, primary schools to make their own bug hotels. Do you think we'd think it'd be something you'd be interested in? Yeah, so definitely would be. So I'll say, yeah, I can definitely see how you could recycle things at home, like... Me, myself, I'm the type of person who gets creative a lot. So you would find myself using newspapers from 2003 to put on the table. So, you know, when I'm painting and such, it doesn't set, it doesn't stay in said table and workspace, so it works. And in school, I take leaving through art. And our teacher is encouraging us to bring in our own, like, like bottles, like plastic bottles and containers and whatnot. So we can mix our own ink to use for our artwork. So I love that we're upcycling. It's going well. Yeah, the chat with Anna has actually made me think more about upcycling and reusing things. Yeah, to be honest, it's actually quite handy. If you can just, say, take something you have, like an old chair or an old uh, table, and bring it to someone and have someone sort it out of it. Um, yes, Anna was like really interesting, and it made me realise that fast fashion is not good, and reusing clothes is much better for the environment. The Chawa and Ashihan have definitely improved my way of thinking things about how I can stop wasting products in my day-to-day life. Now it's time for this week's guest speaker. It is Tad from Voice Ireland. He's going to give the group an insight into the work they do to help stop the climate crisis. And the work is very interesting. I'll let Tad tell you more. Hi everyone, my name is Tad Kirkowski and I work with Voice Ireland. Voice are an environmental charity group that have been working in Ireland for over 25 years. What we work on is around trying to reduce the amount of waste that we all create. And we do that through working with community groups and clubs like yourselves and with policy work. So that's a lot of talking to politicians and with the law to make sure that those things are really trying to drive a better future for us all and make sure that we're not wasting things that we could use a little bit better. So how long ago was Voice Ireland set up and why? That's a very interesting question. Voice was set up over 25 years ago and it was set up as um, Greenpeace at the time left Ireland and there was a number of activists and people who were really interested in this space were still here and so they came together and they formed what was what became Voice. And initially we worked on a broad range of environmental topics, but we found that we were working on so many different things and not being able to concentrate on any one thing. So we really decided to focus in on waste as one of the really key issues because it's one of these things, it's emblematic or it's an example of something that we all have every day and it's the, it is the end result of so many other problems. So by addressing that, we can improve the environment, we can improve how we are how sustainable we're living, we can reduce carbon, we can do so many different things simply by looking at the way that we use materials and how we waste them and how we use them better. Do you think that people are conscious of how much waste they produce? I think people are increasingly conscious of it. I think people are getting more and more conscious. So I think in many schools around the country, you'll see people with their reusable water bottles, and that's about trying to reduce the amount of water or the amount of plastic they're using in water bottles. You'll see a lot of cafes starting to use reusable cups. But I think a lot of it, and the one that many people will know, but perhaps 
the people here might be a little bit too young to remember is the introduction of the plastic bag tax. And I think that caused a really big change. So that was when in the early 2000s, we started to charge people a couple of cents for the use of a single-use plastic bag. And we very quickly saw a change in behaviour. Nowadays, a lot of what we're seeing is people looking at their bins and thinking, my bin is too full. How do I reduce that amount of waste that I'm having to manage? And so I suppose that's where a lot of the interest is coming from. We're seeing a real growth in people being interested in plastic and trying to reduce the amount of plastic they use. But also food waste is another big one that we're seeing a lot of. And most households, we're throwing away about a third of the food that we buy. So I kind of, when I'm talking about this one, I like to think if you can imagine coming home and opening up a six pack of eggs, taking two of those and throwing them straight on the floor, that's what we're all doing with our shopping. So to reduce the amount of wastage we have is something that people are starting to become more and more aware of. Do you think people are too used to these types of taxes to the point that it just does not bother them anymore? So what I think is really important when we think about these kinds of problems is that this is something like a plastic bag tax isn't just punishing people. There has to be another way of doing it so that you don't have to pay it. And I think that's why that's when those kinds of approaches can be very, very valuable. So you see in a cafe, you can have a reusable cup and there, there you would avoid any, any tax that might be put or any levy that would be put on a, reu- on a single use cup. So I think it's about making sure that the alternatives are there as well as the kind of the levy on the single use one. Because every now and then we will all get caught out and we might we might have to pay it or we might have to deal with it. But we want to make sure that this isn't something that's punishing people. It's completely avoidable. What do you think will make people realize the amount they're wasting? Well, another thing that we're going to start seeing very soon, and you guys can all start getting involved with it, is the introduction of what's called a deposit return scheme to Ireland. That's going to launch in February 2024. And through that, you'll be able to bring back plastic bottles and aluminium cans and get 20 cents back for every bottle that you bring in. Now, through that, I think people will start to see the quantity of these materials they're using. And they'll start to get, not only that, they'll start to get a value for it. They'll see that these things have a value. This material is important and it's important that we gather it and it's important that we get best use out of it. And I think that's going to be a really interesting um moment when we all start doing that and start bringing that back and saving up our 20 senses. Do you really think that will make people recycle more? Yes, yes, I I do. Where we've seen these kinds of programs being introduced in the past, we've seen collection rates of up to 98%. So they really does motivate people to bring those bottles and cans back. And then that can help really drive much better recycling. One of the real tricks with recycling in the household recycling is that we make sure that we put everything into the recycling bin clean, dry and loose. And by doing that, we make sure that we can get the best value we can out of all of those materials. By collecting things like plastic and aluminium separately, we're making sure that they are completely clean and it really makes sure that you can recycle them much, much better, much, much easier. Are these types of programmes sustainable for the likes of the government or the country? Well, I think when we think about recycling and things, I think recycling is the kind of the lowest rung of the ladder. What we really have to start thinking about is prevention, and that's reducing the amount of materials we use. And so a lot of that comes back to reusing materials or buying things loose or secondhand, those kinds of ways of avoiding the creation of the creation of the waste in the first place. And I think that's kind of where the real changes are going to have to start coming from and going to. Increasingly, you guys might have started hearing the hearing the term circular economy. 
And that's what that's all about. It's about keeping those materials in use and avoiding them being wasted. I know there's some ads are starting to appear on the TV and radio as well around this, kind of trying to explain this concept. So I think that's where a lot of this is coming from. What will eventually happen if people don't recycle and look after the environment? So I think where we are right now, we're at a really crucial point. We're we're using a lot of materials, but we're starting to talk about better ways of doing things. We've seen this through things like the um, conference of the parties for the Paris Agreement. You'll hear a lot about that and climate targets. And you'll hear a little bit about the Sustainable Development Goals or the SDGs. And these are all global aims to reduce our impact on the planet. And I think now we're at a real cusp point. We're at a really important point where we have to start getting very serious about those aims and those plans. Um, And I think recycling is one part of it. Like I say, trying to make sure that we reduce our impact is a very key part. And the circular economy is one way of achieving that. Um, But we have to look at this as uh, we are in an an important place in the world and in the history of the world around this. We have to make sure that we're getting these things right. Another part of this game or another part of this that's happening at the same time is there's a global plastics treaty that is looking at plastics as an international as an international effort to reduce the impact of plastics specifically on the planet as well. So there's a lot of momentum at a global stage to try and address these various issues. It's a really important time and I think we do have to act and we have to call for greater ambition from those who are you know, from our policymakers, from our government, from our local representatives, from those people in power. And I think that's really, really important when we talk about these kinds of things that Yes, the making sure that you do your recycling and you do your bit is important. But what's really important is using your voice to call for better action and more ambition from the people in power around you. Walk us through a day in the life of someone who works for Voice Ireland. Wow, a day in the life of Voice Ireland. Well, that's a, that's a tricky question. So Voice are kind of different from some other kind of environmental charities in that we work in two different areas. We work in engagement and project work so that's going out to community groups and talking to people supporting them to drive their own projects and their own ideas but we also work on policy and a lot of that is reading through fairly dense documents and making our comments and calling up politicians or calling up um, key stakeholders and trying to get them on board with our position on something and trying to develop a kind of a better way of doing things that way So a lot of our work is engaging with people in community groups all over the countryside, um, from Kilkenny to Clare to Dublin to Donegal to Cork. But it's also a lot of meeting with people and engaging with online discussions on policy and that kind of thing as well. And a lot of looking at numbers, looking at the data, seeing what's happening and how can we improve it and where is the most important place that we can make a change that will give us a really big difference. So yeah, it's a really, um, a day in our, a day in the life of voice is a really variable thing. It can, and that's what makes it very, very exciting as well. You can be, you can be out talking to a community group in a hall one minute. You can be on emails for a while. You can be looking at data. You can be doing all sorts of things, talking, uh, talking to an advisory committee, you can be doing all sorts of things on any given day. So tell me this. Why is it important to have bigger influential voices talking about the topic of the environment? So we say we are the voice of Irish concern from the environment. So we're speaking for the environment and for the 
impact that these various things are having on the environment. And I think it's really important that there are groups like ourselves here in Ireland, in Europe and across the world that are calling for a better future for the environment. There are lots of other voices that are all interested in different, in other parts of society or community or businesses and all that stuff. So it's important that we have all of those voices out there. And it's important as well that voice are not, uh, we're an environmental NGO, we're an independent NGO. So we're out there, we're not towing a government line, we're not towing any particular point of view. We are calling for a better environment and that's where we're coming from. And I think that can be really, really important as well when we think about Again, when we talk about these international um, agreements that we're talking about here, so voice are part of international networks. So we talk to other communities and other NGOs and charities that are working in Germany or the Philippines or Brazil, and we're talking to them and we're seeing those same problems and we're trying to come up with the same, trying to come up with solutions that work for everyone as well. You sound very passionate about the environment. What has made you so passionate about this topic? What is it that drove the passion for the environment for me? Um, I suppose I was always into into the environment. I always like being outside. I like having mucky boots. Um, I worked for a long time as a consultant, and I did a lot of work in forestry, particularly at one stage. And I would be going around in forests, and I would quite often see old washing machines and things dumped on the side of the road in forests. It's quite it's not as common anymore, which is a positive thing, but it used to be quite common. And I think it was through that and seeing that and seeing the waste of that material, but also the impact that that stuff has on the ground and the plants and the wildlife around it, that really kind of drove me to kind of engage with, say, the more the waste space. But I've always been fascinated by the interconnectedness of things. So how you can tell the kinds of insects that will be in an area simply by looking at the kind of plants that are there or how changing the water the quality of the water will impact on the kinds of you know, fish that will be in there and how that can kind of tell you different things about the environment around you. So I suppose that interconnectedness has always been a really big part of why I'm interested in environment work. And yeah, I like having mucky boots and being outside. As you know, we're trying to get the word out to as many young people as possible about climate change. So if you had one message to give from Voice Ireland to young people, what would it be? So what is one message from voice? I suppose I'm going to cheat and I'm going to give you two messages. I'm going to tell you when at home or in your own place, try and reduce the amount of material that you use. So that's whether that is not buying a new thing when you have something in place or fixing something when you have something already there. We can prevent the amount, we can prevent waste in those many ways and trying to look at those and trying to do that where you can. But then the second one, like we were talking about a minute ago, a really important thing is to use your voice or talk to people about these things and call for better and more ambitious um, approaches to reducing waste and increasing sustainability in Ireland. Because at the end of the day, this is your country. This is where you're going to grow up in and you want it to be nice and you want, it to, you want to have all the opportunities that my generation and generations before me have had as well. You can follow us on the various social media channels. We're at Voice Ireland on Instagram and Facebook on Twitter uh, or X as it is now uh, you can find us at www.voiceireland.org online and um, you can find us in all of those various places some of the primary schools across the countryside will be involved in our Picker Pals programme which is encouraging people to go out and pick litter and learn about waste in the environment and the impact of waste in the environment 
And we also have a number of different campaigns that we have running at any given time that you can look up on and see if there's something there that really strikes a chord with you, whether that's something like banning um, single-use vapes or encouraging better use of textiles or clothes and making sure that we recycle clothes better. And you can get involved through any of those kinds of campaigns as well. The main objective for this week's episode is for the group to come up with a plan, a plan to help spread the word about the climate crisis and how they can stop it. But what do they need to focus on? Let's hear what they think. So following on from that really interesting conversation we had with Tad from Vice Ireland, I think it was very insightful um, and I'm sure you guys think the same and our listeners will too. kind of the next thing we kind of need to be looking at is, you know, we've been together for so many weeks. We've heard some amazing speakers talk on lots of different topics and another fantastic resource in relation to climate and environmental stuff. If anyone out there is interested is UNESCO Ireland. They have amazing resources online. They also do work with schools um, on different projects, Young Environmental Awards. And one of the things they also promote is their Six Steps to Success, which we have been looking at in Ossery Youth. So there's online resources and they also come out and deliver workshops on this as well. So basically, this is what we're going to put to ye around the Six Steps to Success. And what it is, is that you've heard so many people, so many opinions among yourselves and from our speakers around all the different topics we looked at. So we had everything from housing to um, transport to food waste to the circular economy to upcycling and all the other stuff in between. So we need to now kind of decide as a group, what do we do with all this information? What, how can we promote all the learning that that we have now having listened to to all the stuff over the weeks and is there an action plan that we could put in place to maybe help create change because this is what it's all about so i think where we need to start is to look at what's the issue we're going to focus on based on everything we've learned so i'm going to throw it out to you what do you think is the most important topic they're all important but we can only do so much and we'll focus in on one or two. So what do you think might be a really good issue to promote among young people um, across Kilkenny and beyond and their families too? I think that one of the largest problems is when we spend money on food that we don't eat and we end up throwing out, in Ireland, we end up throwing out about one million tonnes of food is just thrown out and each family is you each family roughly loses about 700 euro on thrown out food every year tad had also mentioned that food waste is a large problem in his talk as well i remember back when we spoke with mark tracy we spoke about the topic of traveling within our communities like going to shops, like getting groceries, getting, you know, necessities. Like, if you could walk to the shop, well, why wouldn't you? That's what I'm saying. I remember when um, we spoke to John Parcel. He's, he told us that he recently changed his car into using, like, a bike, bike to get around and said that there is no bad weather, just bad clothing. Personally, I would say that 
all the issues need to be promoted really as they're all actually quite important but if I had to pick a few I suppose I would go with food waste the circular economy transport and cutting off emissions in general and my logic for that is that in terms of food waste well for one we did establish earlier in our session on it that it actually costs people money because you're paying for for this food and then you're throwing it away that doesn't add up really does it in addition to that we're actually importing a lot of our food so in 2020 according to cso.ie we imported 75,000 tons of potatoes 25,000 tons of tomatoes and 20,000 tons of carrots and really if we're importing that much food and then we're wasting the food well that's just a waste of money isn't it and there were emissions involved in actually bringing that food over as we're an island they need to either ship it by air or by sea and there are costs involved in that too so really reducing food waste is saving us money and cutting emissions so you know i think we really need to let people know about that and we really need to promote that one in terms of the circular economy well you know as we were saying with anna in our session with her well pretty much a lot of things are wasted aren't they we're in a very throwaway culture at the minute and things are getting better of course there's upcycling refunk is doing a lot of upcycling and of course there's a lot of people using reusable cups and things now and there's always the traditional things of just giving people old toys and things but we really need to reduce our waste as the resources we have are of course finite and so they'll run out and we need to keep as many of them i suppose around as possible for the future so therefore we really need to promote the circular economy in terms of transport, well, transport, it's a big producer of emissions, as we said with Mark. And as Mark said, when people idle and they still have the engine on or when they brake too harshly, obviously that is actually worse, as it produces more emissions than you need to produce. And of course, there's the effect that uh, emissions from petrol and diesel cars have on people's health as well. And so people in city centres say they're exposed to a lot of cars. They're walking around. And really, it's not good for them. It's bad for their health. And so transport, we just really need to look at that. And of course, cutting emissions. Well, as we were saying with Minister Malcolm Noonan earlier, we blew our budget, our carbon budget, I mean, this year. So it's going to become harder for us to actually reduce our emissions next year as that budget has now decreased. And according to the EPA, our current, um, I suppose, plans and our current actions have us set to reduce our total emissions by about 29% by 2030. And we need to produce them, according to the Climate Action Plan anyway, by 51% by 2030. So obviously we need to promote that more. Um... I think that food waste is a massive issue that everyone like needs to do something about. Like schools need to encourage it more and at home we really need to see how we can reduce our food waste. As like over a million tons are thrown out each year. Imagine if we could half this or even eliminate it. 
Okay, so thanks for all the ideas. I think it was really interesting and it's also proof um, about what you've learned over the last number of weeks. So you were definitely listening, which is really important. And I think um, I've seen it um, and I know Ruth has as well seen kind of the growth within the group over the last number of weeks around how passionate you are around this topic as well. I know we've listened to a lot of guest speakers who are passionate, but I think that passion is kind of coming out within the group as well. So that's really nice to to see and hear. So from what I'm kind of hearing from all the ideas, there's I'm kind of wondering, could we be a little bit sneaky and rather than just pick one topic that we could maybe combine some of them? Because I think it's kind of obvious that there seems to be a common theme running through um, your ideas around waste. So I'm kind of wondering how could we combine it? I think that many of the points can be put under the heading of wasteful spending. I think that's really good, Richard, because you know, like we were talking about, you were talking about the food waste side of stuff. So there is a huge amount of um, waste and spending there. And Chesy, you were speaking in relation to transport as well. And there is a, can be a lot of unnecessary waste as well around um, fuel, be it petrol or diesel as well, when somebody could choose to, to walk or cycle or get public transport. So, yeah, I think kind of the theme is around what you're saying, Richard, about wasteful spending because it com- comes under all the topics. So what do you think? Do you think we could use and combine that as our issue going forward for our action plan? Yeah, I guess the main idea is that you're wasting the necessities that you've been given. So, understandably, yeah, I would agree that it's all about, like, irresponsible money management. Now that the group have decided on a focus, what plan are they going to put into action? So, now that we have our theme agreed, we the next part of our steps to success is we need to develop an action plan. So does everybody kind of understand what an action plan is? Yeah, definitely. From my understanding, an action plan is a plan of action. <laughs> we have a problem and we have ways of coming together to co- to create a solution. So what do you think we need to have in place in order to create the action plan and to make it happen? Well, first of all, in order to waste money, you need to have money. And in order to know you're wasting it is to know what you're wasting it on. So I guess the main idea is education and telling people that telling people that what they could be doing wrong and thus wasting what little money they may have. People could use budgeting to keep track of their spendings. Many people try to make a budget, but they often do not stick to it. So a key part of the action plan will be trying to stick to the budget. I I think you've made some very good points. And I think w- w- the practical side, Chesie, that you're talking about is education. And I think that's key to it because that's how we create awareness. That's how we can create change is that by educating people, because some people might think they're doing the right thing. But as you're saying, it's actually kind of hurting them financially as well as damaging the environment. So if we can get some top tips out to people around um, how they can create change within their home, I think it'd be really good. And Richard, what you were saying as well about that, I suppose it's encouraging people to try and stick to those budgets and to see the benefits of it at the end of the day or at the end of the month. 
The title Wasteful Spending is very accurate because we do spend wastefully. What are the reasons for spending so much money and wasting so many things that are vital to our survival? The group have a great chat about it. So now that we have our theme agreed, we the next part of our steps to success is we need to develop an action plan. So does everybody kind of understand what an action plan is? Yeah, definitely. From my understanding, an action plan is a plan of action. <laughs> we have a problem and we have ways of coming together to, co- to create a solution. So what do you think we need to have in place in order to create the action plan and to make it happen? Well, first of all, in order to waste money, you need to have money. And in order to know you're wasting it is to know what you're wasting it on. So I guess the main idea is education and telling people that telling people that what they they could be doing wrong and thus wasting what little money they may have. People could use budgeting to keep track of their spendings. Many people try to make a budget but they often do not stick to it. So a key part of the action plan will be trying to stick to the budget. I I think you've made some very good points and I think w- the practical side, Chesie, that you're talking about is education and I think that's key to it because that's how we create awareness. That's how we can create change is that by educating people because some people might think they're doing the right thing but as you're saying, it's actually kind of hurting them financially as well as damaging the environment. So if we can get some top tips out to people around um, how they can create change within their home I think it'd be really good and Richard what you were saying as well about that I suppose it's encouraging people to try and stick to those budgets and to see the benefits of it at the end of the day or at the end of the month One of the or one of the points in wasteful spending is fast fashion which is when you buy or which is when a trend goes along for example maybe very vibrant abstractly coloured clothing might be popular for about a week or two but then after that week or two it completely switches to an entirely different type of clothing so then the people who've ended up buying the very abstract bright colorful clothing they're going to to try stay trendy throw away that cloth those clothes uh, and buy the new trend of the of the time so Richard, if you think that that's kind of popular among your generation, how easy or difficult is it going to be to get younger generations to kind of change their mindset around this? Because obviously, uh, and I'm, I suppose I'm not labelling everybody, but social media is quite powerful for influencing younger generations. So how, how do you think you could change the mindset on this? I think the best way would probably be just to spread information about it so they tell the younger generations that instead of spending the upwards of 50 euro every two week every week or two on the new on the newest clothes brands uh spend only a little bit on the clothing that they're going to wear more than once or twice uh so then they can also save money and they won't be wasting clothes and uh, resources and stuff like that. 
So do you think social media then could be used in, in a good way that you're kind of promoting saving money for them to spend on other things as well as doing something good for the environment? I do, but social media also is the primary cause for fast fashion with all influencers and celebrities showing off their new clothes uh, and then everyone wants to try and wants to mimic them. So it's kind of like a, a catch-22 situation, isn't it? Yes. That we, we need social media to promote stuff, but also to kind of, sometimes the key message gets lost in there, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So another point would be to the electricity and energy usage in our homes. So um, when you want to turn on the light, you don't just press a button and it it begins to illuminate your workspace. Um that electricity has to come from somewhere and somebody has to pay for that electricity. And I know in my household, my dad is extremely proud of me, of me for taking initiative for turning off electrical appliances and I'm not using them, like the kettle. Like most of us just use the kettle for a bit in the morning to boil a bit of water. But the rest of the day is just sitting there. Just turn it off. Nobody needs to use, have it on all the, all, all the time. But yeah, we have to be more conscious of what we're doing, like... If nobody's in the room, why would we leave the lights on? Um, I fully agree with you, Chessie. And I know in my house, uh, probably to the annoyance of some of my family members, I'm switching off a lot of, of switches as well. Um, because again, if you're not in a room, why is it on? And I know also, and we won't name names, but certain colleagues of mine in Austria Youth um, are definitely not happy with me um, since I've been involved in this project because I'm turning off lights and they're trying to turn them back on. So I'm trying to make um, our building a little greener as well. And I think, you know, sometimes companies are trying to do the right thing by having, you know, sensor lights that when you come into a room that they come on. But then if you look at it, it still means that there's lights on during the daytime when we don't actually need them. So I think it's going back to your point again, Chesie, about education, because yes, having motion sensor lights is a good thing. But again, are they necessary during the day? So I think we all kind of need to to look again and maybe do audits of our buildings and see where we can improve even further. I guess motion sensors being on during the day could also tie into health and safety and whatnot, but I understand completely where you're coming from. Like, the security um, lamps that you would have outside at your front door that turn on whenever something moves, that's useful and can be very helpful at night, but, like, during the day, nobody needs that. I, I know a home that my parents and also our friend, friends of friends, they, we have our little, like, nightlights things, they stick in the garden that like during the day they charge up because I have a little solar panel and as it gets darker they glow really nicely you're right Chesie and actually thinking about it now it'd be a really good idea for Christmas lights that people have you know outside their houses in the run up to the Christmas season so it'd be really good if they were solar based as well so that they're not using too much electricity as well and sending people's bills even higher again now that the group have decided on a theme and a title what is it that they can do to help stop it? So we have our theme. We've kind of figured out lots of different ways to promote what uh, we want to, the message we want to get out there. So I suppose the next step along the way is to figure out 
how are we actually going to carry out the action plan? So what are the practical things we actually need to do in order to make the action plan happen? Because like Chesie, you said at the start of this around when you explained to our listeners what an action plan was, you said that it was obviously, you know, coming up with something, putting it into uh, putting an action into plan and practice and coming up with solutions. So I suppose my question to you is, how are we practically going to actually do that, that we come up with solutions in order to make our action plan happen? So just to clarify, um, what we agreed on was that our action plan is to stop wasteful spending across the topics that we discussed in relation to food waste, in relation to energy in the home, and in relation to fast fashion. You know that awkward moment at the end of the day when you're just like stuck, like, like opening the door for everybody else to get out? And then you're last one exiting? Just like turn off the lights when you're leaving. So am I correct in saying that turning off the lights is one of the key things that we need to look at because it means that we are wasting electricity otherwise if we don't turn them off? Definitely. With the food waste, uh, you could make a budget or kind of like a shopping list uh, that you have to stick to during your time in the shop. And... Uh, that is so like you don't buy things that you don't want or that you don't need and you don't like impulse buy uh, stuff that is on sale and another tip for that is just not to shop hungry because when you are hungry and shopping you are more prone to buying uh, or to impulse buying a bunch of snacks that you probably will not eat all of and end up throwing away as well as my point, that as the point I made on electricity, um, when you're charging your phones, you're also using electricity. So uh, when it gets to 100%, just unplug it. Also, for all of you adventurous folks out there, um, why don't you challenge yourself by, you know, wearing the same clothes more than once? Shopping in secondhand shops would be a good little addition to that as well, because things are going to be, the clothes in there will be reused. I guess like when you're, you should invest in lo- in long-term solutions such as getting a durable, reusable water bottle. And it is brilliant to do all of these little tips, uh, but the key part is just raising awareness and spreading information about this. So how do you think we can do that? What's a really good way to raise awareness? I think that just, uh, especially with like short form content on like YouTube and TikTok, which isn't pro- which probably isn't the best. I think those two ways are probably the most effective for spreading information today. Okay, and the fact that we are here in KCLR putting the ads on radio and stuff like that as well. The important thing to remember is that people can influence each other every day. No one can do everything, but everybody can do something. Now, we promised not to give the group homework, and we won't give them homework, but we might give them what we like to call a bit of research. So, um, I know I said that we were finished with homework, and we are. I suppose I just want you to bear in mind for next week to have a listen and have a look out for different adverts that might be on across different platforms and kind of see what's jumping out at you. So I'll end it saying it's not homework, it's research. Now we can't let an episode go without doing the climate curiosity. So let's check in with Trish for this week's Climate Curiosities, exploring the wonders of our changing world.
Be sure to watch how you water. Be mindful of water use. Fix any leaks around the house and encourage your family to take shorter showers. Collect rainwater for watering plants or gardens. Challenge yourself to come up with creative ways to save water, like reusing water from washing fruits and vegetables for your plants. Climate Curiosities, exploring the wonders of our changing world. Thanks for that, Trish. And with that, we're going to wrap up this week's episode. Join us next week at the same time when we will focus on getting the word out there. And we're going to do it radio style. Chat then. You've been listening to a journey through the climate crisis on KCLR. To hear this episode again and more, download the KCLR app. A journey through the climate crisis is funded by Commissioner Man with a television license fee.